Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, you guys are listeners, and hopefully we're going to have some fun today. Uh, I have to first start off the podcast by saying sorry for last week. I know a lot of people are very uh, used to it uh, landing on the same day, which I like to do. I like to have the podcast come out on the the same times, roughly the same day every week because there's like an expectation like hey on Tuesday nights you're like hey I'm going to fire up Game Talk Radio you know and so last week I got a message from a friend of mine who listens and he goes hey man uh is there no podcast this week and this was Wednesday afternoon I'm like well no dude I uploaded it Tuesday I uploaded it Tuesday afternoon just like I do anytime uh, every single week the same and he goes yeah it's not up there and I had to work so as soon as I got done with work I looked online and sure enough it never finished uploading. Like it was it, like it started to upload and then it was like somehow uh, SoundCloud just never published it, which makes no sense. And the thing was, it wasn't even on there because I couldn't just turn it from like private to public or something. Like I had to straight up delete that track because there was nothing there and then re-upload it because it kept saying like that file's already being uploaded. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. So it was some sort of glitch. So I just have to apologize everyone that it took an extra like day and a half to get that podcast out because I did it. I did it on time. And so as a reward for you all, <laughs> loyal listeners, I uh, I have decided that this podcast will go up Monday. Well, it might still go up Tuesday morning or late Monday night. But basically, I'm recording it Monday afternoon. It's 5 o'clock my time right now. I'm actually in about an hour and a half. I'll be live on Twitch with the drop rate uh, dropcast. Um, but I had to squeak out of work a little early to try to get this done because I'm working the next few days and I didn't want to not do a podcast. And so really the only, he, sometimes the only time you have to do this is to like run in, squeak something out and go. Uh, so there's two stories we're going to talk about today. And I do have, uh, my game of the week picked out, which is a, which is a, for lack of a better term, it's a banger. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's a great one. It's one I, I love very very much i want to talk a lot about and i have a very very small pickup pile of the week so it's only two games everybody if you can believe it i only have two games in my pickup pile of the week and i don't have a listener question so it's actually going to go pretty easy today um and it might be a little bit on the shorter side because of that but again like i said i'm rushing a little bit and i do apologize but i'd rather get something out here for you than nothing so with that being said we're going to kick this thing off. We're going to get this shindig started. And uh, and here we go. So first up on the podcast today, we're talking about Apex Legends. And more specifically, their developers. And seemingly a, a hostile back and forth that's been taking place over the last few days. And so basically, um, initially what happened was, in the, in the latest update, uh, Apex has added some questionable... Um, microtransaction behavior. And, and so I think people were very quickly ready to say, well, it's EA. See, this is EA sticking their neck out, yada, yada, yada. Um, however, not long after that, when they made a slight change to how it was going to work, um, then after that, which was a developer change, after that, when fans still weren't happy, the developers seemingly lashed out a little bit. And so we're going to get to the whole thing. But before that, to understand why perhaps the customers were upset, we really have to look at what happened. And so first we're going to look at this. It's uh, This was the article. This was last Wednesday. This was the headline. New Apex Legends Axe costs $170 in coin packs. 
So the article goes on to say, Raven's Bite is an heirloom quality weapon added as part of Apex Legend Iron Crown collection event. Heirloom is the highest tier of items in Apex Legends. So you'd expect the axe to be pretty expensive. Raven's Bite will cost you about $170 and you have to jump and or butt slide through a ridiculous series of hoops to get it. The Iron Crown collection contains 24 other rare and legendary quality items players can unlock. In order to sink your own loot-hungry teeth into Raven's Bite, you first got to unlock every other item in the collection. This includes, what else? Opening event specific loot boxes, which thankfully do not contain duplicate items, which is something that Rocket League always did with duplicates, and I hated that. Um, you can pick up a whopping two of those loot boxes by earning an event-specific in-game currency called crowns via in-game challenges. However, you've got to buy the rest with the game's regular currency, Apex Coins. Iron Crown packs go for around $7 a pop in said currency. That totals out to $154 you'd have to spend to get the item. But you have to buy coins in packs if you want to get it the least bad bang for your buck your best bet that was hard to say is to grab two packs one that contains a hundred dollars worth of coins and another that's worth 60 this will leave you with some bonus coins which will come in handy so you can understand the frustration right to get this super item you have to have all the other items to get all the other items randomly you have to have spent that amount of money to get it so essentially what they've done is they've released like a $160 item, which is, I mean, on the surface, that's pretty bonkers. And I'm going to have to agree with that. That's pretty mental. Um, and so anyway, this is, this is what started it. So people were like, well, hey, what's up? But you know what's funny is they were pitching it more towards EA at this point. The fans were saying, EA, you're being money grubby. What have you done to our respawn? Our boys, our sweet boys at Respawn Entertainment, they would never do this to us. EA, what have you done? You're monsters. What have you done? And so then um, they decide to, let me see here. They decide to then make a slight change. And so they go on to say, we've heard you and have spent a lot of time this week discussing the feedback and how we structure events in the future, as well as changes that we'll make to Iron Crown. To get right into it, here are the changes we are making. Starting on 820, we'll be adding and rotating all 12 of the event-exclusive legendary items into the store over the course of the final week of the event for the regular legendary skin cost of 1,800 Apex coins. You will still be able to purchase Iron Crown Apex packs for 700 Apex coins if you choose. The store schedule for the week will be as follows. And they start telling you here. A couple other things I would like to address. We need to be better at letting our players know what to expect from the various event structures in Apex Legends. Over the last six months, we've been learning a lot about operating a live service, a live service free-to-play game. And one of the takeaways from this week is that our messaging for expectations need to be clear. This is a different event structure than the legendary hunt from Season 1, and it will be different from planned future upcoming events. We're learning more each day on what works, what doesn't, and how to provide the best possible experiences and content to all of you. With Apex Legends, it's very important to us that we don't sell a competitive advantage. Our goal has not been to squeeze every last dime out of our players, and we structured the game so that all players benefit from those who choose to spend money. Events like Legendary Hunt or Iron Crown exist so that we can continue to invest in creating more free content for all players. This week has been a huge learning experience for us, and we're taking the lessons forward to continue bringing the best possible experience to all of you. So that was basically what they said about the changes they made. 
so now you can kind of like that. We needed that, right? That was our base. That was us saying, okay, I can understand why customers were kind of upset about that. Like, you know, when you get people into your game ecosystem, part of keeping them there is people who want to get everything. And so a lot of the games that have season passes, you have to play so much and unlock so much, mostly through in-game buying, but you have to buy the season pass. Usually, you know, you pay 20 bucks and then eventually if you level up high enough, you get these end game rewards and you do it every season. It's how they get people to come back. It's fine, you know, cause you don't have to participate, right? But to get people to keep playing, this is what they're offering. So then when they take an item that would be something that everybody wants to have clearly, and then they put it behind a massive paywall, while it certainly doesn't give you a competitive advantage, it's part of the issue is that the fans you've gotten into your ecosystem, they want everything. And so if you're not willing to let them have everything the same way, you start to have people get upset. So that was that's just the base. That's just where we begin. So do you understand why maybe some of the players are upset? Now, I have some opinions as well on how upset we should be getting in times like this, but we're not going to get to that right away. We're going to get through the rest of the story here. So... um. And here it goes. On Friday, Respawn changed the event so the exclusive skins would also be available in the game's normal store for the standard price of Legendary skins, which is $18. This doesn't include the $170 skin, but it will be obtainable via loot boxes rather than an outright purchase after the event is over. So then they take it out and they make it a random loot box item. <laughs> like They're going like from bad to worse. They just kind of keep going down. So, um, following these changes, a Respawn developer wrote a post on the subreddit and things got more heated. This is where things start to get interesting. In that post, Drew McCoy, project lead at Respawn, made a comment about the event and the reason for the change, saying that the developers, w quote, will not engage with temper tantrums, end quote. He was seemingly trying to explain why the developers are making a change to the face uh, in the face of player anger, while signaling that expressions of anger from players wouldn't always trigger a change. So before I continue, that's a very accurate description of what was happening. So it wasn't necessarily that he was saying the players are having temper tantrums. The point was more so is that, look, when we understand we've made a mistake, and we've upset the community, we will make a change. But every time someone complains about something, we will not be making a change. Now, could you use a little bit different language? Temper tantrum often associated with little kids, children. It's demeaning, demoralizing, you know, to talk about that, right? And so it is you know, what I want to say, it is what, you know, an extra way to kind of upset people. There's nicer ways to say it, I guess. So let's say it that way. Um, he added that, quote, he has been in the industry long enough to remember when players weren't complete asshats to developers, and it was pretty neat, end quote. Uh, a commentator responded to that with a long comment that began with, quote, well, I guess you can also remember when developers weren't money grabbing Fs that scammed their players, too, end quote, to which McCoy replied, hey, everyone, I found I found the dick I was talking about, referring to earlier when he said that people were asshats and dicks. Um Afterward, the subreddit exploded in hostility towards Respawn, currently the highest upvoted post in the subreddit with over 30,000 upvotes is a screen cap of a YouTube comment referencing McCoy's comments. Later in the thread, McCoy tried to clarify his comments. Quote, no, I'm not trying to paint all players with a huge brush. I'm commenting on the fact that nowadays it's just easier and less stressful to not post anywhere if you're a dev. That sucks. End quote. 
Uh, Kotaku, this is the article, sorry, Nathan Grayson, Kotaku article. He reached out to Respawn about the situation, but they did not receive a reply in time for publication. Um, the relationship between developers and players, the article goes on to say, the relationship between developers and players is on a knife's edge in the world of Apex Legends and elsewhere. The ability to immediately communicate with or insult anyone you can think of has helped bring us here. It's unclear how we get past it. So that's the article in a nutshell. Um, and I can't really, okay, let, let's, let's, let's hit this a couple different ways. One, I can understand why developers sometimes lose it with people. Um, they oftentimes want to put themselves out there. You know, they want to listen to creative feedback. They want to be able to say, Hey, we listen to you. You're our fans. You're our friends. We listen to you. But oftentimes when you open yourself up to that line of communication, it's not just the positive constructive criticism that's coming through. You're going to get negative, terrible feedback and feedback. That's not constructive feedback. That's probably more borderline harassment at that point. So I can understand why a developer would say that, you know, and did he have to type the thing about the temper tantrums and he didn't have to, he didn't have to write that in the subreddit. He didn't have to post that. But the freedom of speech that we all enjoy so much, it sucks when you are a creative type and you're working on something for millions of people and then you don't feel like you can get your point across to them. And it is kind of unbalanced, right? Because as consumers, we are basically allowed to critique whatever we want. You know, we paid for it. We, 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 are, we are owed a certain amount of product, uh, dare I say entitled to a certain product that... Uh, you know, that we paid for and the developers may not be entitled to that same level of freedom of talking to us because they're, they're still trying to get us on their side. Right. And they're still trying to get us on their team. So they have to be polite. It's a customer service thing. So the first thing I would say is that, uh, this, uh, developer was, uh, it's unprofessional. Um, but it's also a creative industry. You know, you don't really argue sometimes, and I guess there is kind of the same thing with movies and music, but oftentimes those creative artists, they get to say whatever they want and it's separated, you know, from the content they create. Uh, and obviously there's still people that say, well, I'm not gonna, you know, there's the whole people don't want to watch Mulan because one of the actresses was uh, saying they should shut down the protests in Hong Kong and then uh, other things, right? So there are things you say that can still get you in trouble or get people not to like you. And then we've got this sort of, this cancel culture that has been increasingly growing where it's like, we don't want people to improve. We just want people gone. You know, and I said the same thing on, on Twitter, um, you know, with all the stuff going on with Twitch last week. And I said, you know, I don't want Twitch to go away. None of us should want Twitch to disappear. We want them to get better. Right. Or if they don't get better then we'd want a better replacement. Sure. But we want them to be better. That's ultimately the best case scenario. And, and, but there were so many people out there that were like, nope, uh, this is Twitch is done. I'm you know, we'll move on. Twitch sucks. We'll move on to something else. And it's just very strange to me. Same thing with GameStop. I've said this before too. Even though I own a used video game store, you would think I would benefit from GameStop going out of business. I don't want GameStop to go out of business. I, I, I don't think a company going out of business and a bunch of people losing their job is good for anybody. And especially in my industry, just like Twitch, you know, and, and how many people, use Twitch as a way to experience gaming. I've had so many people buy games because they watch somebody play it on Twitch and not saying that someone else can't come take it from. In fact, I'd prefer that. I'd prefer a smaller company stepped up in this time of need. They really tore it up and did a great job. 
and then Twitch decides that they have to change, and then they do a good job. So anyway, I'm getting way off topic here talking about Twitch, but it's sort of the same thing with a, with EA Respawn. We want them to be better. Like we, we want these developers to, we shouldn't want this, this sort of, like I said, cancel culture where we just all of a sudden go, let's boycott this. Let's, let's throw all this in the trash and we're done with it. You know, or we could say, hey, let's hold them accountable. Let's hold them to a higher standard, which to be fair is what they're doing on the subreddit here. And so they have been, they were, they were voicing their concerns over something they didn't like. And very clearly this message has been received and EA is no stranger to just eating it bad when it comes to screwing up microtransactions. I mean, they, they're always on the butt end of all this stuff. The Battlefront 2 stuff, most notably, um, was pro- most recently, I guess, was their big hubbub. And now everyone's like hooping and hollering every time they say that there's not going to be microtransactions in one of their games. No microtransactions, the new need for speed. And everyone's like, yeah, baby, we did it. Like, well, I mean, yeah, I guess you kind of did, but you okay. Um, so people were upset. And I think rightfully so, because you, you know, but it is a, it is a lopsided relationship because the players and the customers can lob all this garbage at the developers and they're just supposed to sit there and take it. They're people too, you know, and, and they're people that read this stuff and probably take it very personally. Like a lot of us do when people attack us. And I know you can say, well, you should have thicker skin. Well, you know what? Technically a game developer wasn't always a public thing. I mean, a lot of old school game developers were just like shut-ins and, and didn't want the limelight part of it. That's a lot of that's changing now because as you want to reach more and you want to communicate more with your team and, and part of it's wanting to be a little bit of a pseudo celebrity. I think, you know, you've had certain game developers become this celebrity status, Hideo Kojima, I'd argue, um, Cliff Blazinski, you know, some of these people, Tim Schafer, like they've, they've exploded outside of just being a game developer. They're a celebrity in their field and, uh, and, and breaking out of the boundaries, you know? And so that's part of it is they want that. So obviously they have to open themselves up to that. And, uh, and so as far as the actual microtransactions go, you know, the first thing that people are always going to say is you don't have to do it and they're not wrong, but that's kind of twisted thinking because part of why these games are popular and how they keep people playing is by this kind of string on a carrot or excuse me, carrot on a string (laughs) and you're leading that horse, right? And you're leading these people with the promise of getting these things eventually it's oftentimes I would say it's very similar to people who are collecting games from limited run limited run games are, you know, people for the longest time are only buying them because they already had everyone before it. If someone doesn't get this item and doesn't feel like they can get the item, then they're probably not. Eventually once you, once they break that almost like a spell that's on them, once they break that feeling, they might be gone forever. And so that's really not good. Um, it's really not good that once you start to lose them and they fall out of the cycle, they fall out of the ecosystem. I use that word a lot. Once they fall out of that, it's hard to keep them in it because what keeps them saying for the next season, are they going to work super hard to get all the items or do they say, well, I technically don't have the ax from last season and I'll play it until I'm bored with it and then I'll, I'll move on, you know? And that's how a lot of people are. Um, and, uh, I was going to look through some of the comments here just to see, um, so this person call me entitled, call him, call him entitled, call him pissy, but all the users have a voice. That's all well and good. And trust me, not at all new, but the one thing that devs should never do 
is S where they eat. If you come down and start jawing and calling out people, it will not solve anything ever. Imagine, if you will, the days of yore with Coca-Cola and when they introduced new Coke. Can you imagine the backlash of some Coke exec going out in a public statement saying, suck it up, losers, this is the way the things are now? Yeah, you can't. And so, I mean, uh, yeah, that's kind of a fair comparison. But, um, but yes, that is part of it. You know, part of a lot of these game companies being successful is advertising and PR. And so part of that PR is eating crow. That's that's really customer service. Can I be totally honest with you? As, as someone who I'm a business owner, I've been working retail, video game retail for almost 20 years. I apologize every day for probably three or four things that I have no f- control over. <laughs> but you apologize because it makes the customer happy. Like I don't, you know, I don't, like I, I oftentimes you eat a lot, you know, you take a lot of personal attacks. Like when someone has something that's that, that they took home and they broke and then they bring back because it's got a warranty and you're like, but you broke it, not me. It wasn't broken. You know, things like that. You run into a lot of issues and you take a lot of flack for things. People call us sometime yelling at us that Xbox live is down. Like, okay. I, I that's not me. I don't need control over that. This is down. That's down. What's going on with PlayStation network? Why is PlayStation? I don't know. Did you call Sony? I'm just the local game shop down in the store or down the corner. Um, however, uh, I do. I will tell a story that I don't think I've ever told this before on here because it, it probably makes me sound like a jerk. But I'm going to tell the story anyway. And so many, many years ago, probably my first year or two I was open, um, I told myself that part of the reason I knew my game store would be successful when I opened it was because I had the customer service skills. People came to my GameStop store when I worked there because of me and my staff, not because of the GameStop policies and the best, you know, we didn't have the best prices or policies. It was because of the people working there. And so I said, you know what? I can do that on my own. I'll, I'll build that again from scratch on my own. And I did. And all is well and good. But I told myself, you know, that now that it's my own business, you know, I don't have to take as much crap, right? That's the first thing you think of when you're your own business owner is, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to take crap from anybody anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to take it. Well, then you find out very quickly that, uh, you actually take it more. You take it a little bit more because it's your money. Now it's your business. It's not just some faceless corporation making a little bit of extra money. If you tow the line properly, right? It's actually, it's actually your money. And so maybe it's not necessarily to a specific duty of wanting to be successful as much as it is that if I can suck it up and eat this garbage that these people toss at me, I make more money and I like making money and making money's the whole point. So I like it. So with that being said, in the first year or two, I was open. Somebody had come in and um, had a Super Nintendo and something else they were selling. I don't remember quite what it was. And as we're, you know, I'm, I'm talking, I'm testing it out. It works great. I'm going through, I'm doing some things. And, and he says something along the lines of, um, you know, something like, you know, he's making little comments. And one of the comments at first is something like, yeah, I know I'm like, I know you're just going to totally rip me off on this, but what are you going to do? I need cash or something like that. You know? And I just was like, I brushed it off. I was like, okay, well, you know, and I said something like, well, you know, we try to be fair, man. We try to get you a price that's fair for you and fair for us to resell it. You know, we're all just trying to to make a fair deal. You know, I'm, I'm very, if, if you know me in real life, you know exactly how I am and you, you know how, how, uh, I can, I can schmooze with the best of them. Yeah. If you don't know me, come hang out and find out sometime. <laughs> um, but then, you know, he kept making comments like that. And then finally there was one comment where, you know, I think it was, I was all done. I'm like, okay, I got everything figured out here. And I think before I was even done and even told him the price, he said something along the lines of, 
you know, just just tell me how bad I'm getting ripped off now before I, you know, before I get too angry about getting ripped off or something, something really weird, right? And it really pissed me off. And it really pissed me off. And I, and I, and finally I had that moment, right? It's my business, right? So I had that one moment and I said, you know what? Honestly, man, that's really rude and insulting. I'm not going to take this then. Forget it. If you think I'm ripping you off, you can keep it. And I just gave him a Super Nintendo back, put it back in the bag and handed it back to him. And, uh, and he's like, I'm really sorry. And he really got apologetic right away, which is really strange because I was not expecting that. I was expecting him to be like, you know, whatever and walk away. He kept saying I was ripping him off. And then I got really lucky because then he started apologizing quite profusely. And I was like, well, that's that actually made me feel good because that made me feel like I wasn't in the wrong. But then I felt guilty, of course. If you've listened to my podcast, you know I'm, I'm a hyper empath. And so it made me feel very, very guilty then that he felt bad. Um, and basically, he, he almost begged me to take it after that because he really needed the money. And I was like, hey, man, I'm like, I, I will. I said, but I'm sorry that it was just really rude what you were saying to me. Like, I try to run an honest business here, you know, and I'm trying to live my dream and start off from scratch. I'm here all by myself. You know, I'm not I'm not running a multi-billion dollar corporation. I'm not driving around in a luxury vehicle. I'm just I'm trying to make a living, you know, and and uh, and so we were fine after that. So the whole point of the story as I got a little bit off track, but the whole point of the story was I understand how that developer felt. I understand the developer who said, you know what? I work really hard. I made something that a lot of people really enjoy. We screwed up. I owned that mistake. We're trying to fix it. But we also have to make money, you know, and, and like they have to make money. Do you want Apex Legends to be free, which the majority of people do? And that's why the game's successful. Then that they have to monetize somehow. Now, is this an abrasive monetization? Yes. So don't downvote the video just because I said that they have to make money. It is abrasive and they could have handled it better. I'm the first one to say it. Well, no, I'm probably like the millionth person to say it, but they could have handled things better. But they didn't. And so I understand that's really the only point I'm making. I'm not, I can't even say the developer's right in this instance. I'm not going to say that. It was unprofessional. They shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't have gone that personal with it. Don't take it there. Just say, we hear you loud and clear. We're sorry. You know, and even, even making the comments say, you know, we oftentimes do hear a lot of feedback from the community. That feedback won't always turn into game changes, but we will try to you know, make the game as good for people as it can be. I remember final story before we wrap up this segment, but I remember when the developer of rust, he had said there was one point where he eventually had to take the game out of alpha because there's this wicked cycle you get into where the game's never finished because you change something, right? You make something, you put it out there 20, let's, let's say 50% of the people like it. This is being generous by the way. Let's say 75% of the people like it. 25% of the people don't. Well, the 75% of people, they're not telling you how great it is, usually. They're usually just playing it, and they're enjoying it. They don't say anything, because why would they? You know, people don't typically give you compliments. They don't. You don't remember the nice things people say to you, but you remember every nasty one, right? And then 25% start complaining. Those 25% that complain, they have a loud voice because they're complaining, and they want something changed. They change it. Game changes. 25% of the other people then now feel that they don't like something. They start complaining, and it's basically unending cycle of tweaks and changes, very similar to the quote-unquote balancing that they always try to do in Diablo or in World of Warcraft. Like it's just a constant cycle of nerfing and buffing and nerfing and buffing. And so, I cannot. I I just wanted to say I understand where where developers will 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 want to sometimes tee off, and if it was their own company, 
you know, they can say whatever they want. Obviously, it's a free country, but if they work for a company, you do have to kind of rope that in. You work for a huge company. EA is a megacorp. They've got PR people for a reason. They've got this sort of stuff. Like, this is the sort of stuff they're not supposed to do. And so it could have been handled better, of course. But I think it's also okay to, to understand that these developers are people, too. There's always this weird, like, like um, I, don't even, I don't know, like, uh, what do you even say? Like celebrity worship, I guess I would say, where it's almost like people think, musicians and actors and race car drivers and football players and game developers aren't actual people that like go home to a real job and stuff because they do and so i think we need to understand that and and still hold them accountable i'm the first to say it if you're not happy with something voice your opinion on that when they buck against that though you can't you can't fling stuff and then when someone stops just taking it and starts flinging it back at you, I don't think it's fair to play victim at that point. Then it's that's when the conversation really got to the point. That's where the rubber meets the road. And you say, okay, you know, I'm throwing all stuff at you. Now you threw something back. Okay, well, now I'm going to lay it out serious. Here we go. Here's everything. If you don't like them anymore, you stop playing their game. You vote with your wallet, obviously. And then you move on. Or you don't. Or you keep playing the game and maybe you have a little more respect for that person because they stood up for themselves. I don't know. But I just don't like that either where people start flinging all this negativity a little bit of negativity comes back and it's all of a sudden, oh, they shouldn't have done that when so much negativity was going their way in the first place. All right. And, uh, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, that, that customer story, I have not uh, shared that. I don't think ever before. And that's a tough one. Cause like I said, I kind of feel like a jerk after it all happened. I felt like a jerk and because of my, my hyper empathy, but it wasn't, it was just like, there comes a point where you just, you're like, everyone dumps on everything. <laughs> can, can I do, and then you start to feel like, are you a failure? You know, like, okay, so if every, every day, and this doesn't happen, but if, if every day someone came into my store and was just talking mad trash about it, that beats you up over time. You know, that really, that, that is really difficult to deal with. I'm just telling you the truth. And so, you know, it's very difficult to handle. And, um, you know, I think it's okay. Sometimes people are going to let loose. People are going to, people are going to cut loose and they're going to let you have it every now and then. And I don't like the idea that we just can't say anything about that anymore. That we can't, that, that like as a, as a creator, like even on my page, right? So say someone is just destroying me, um, on my Facebook page again, not that this has happened. Actually, I'll t I can tell you a little story that's similar to this. So we, we got in some dark soul statues, actually my personal ones I brought from home brought some dark souls dark soul statues they were the first four figures so they're expensive statues they're five six hundred dollar statues when you buy them new and um artorius and sif were both at that point they were both the limited figures they were both i basically took them out inspected them put them back in the box they weren't displayed they weren't broken everything was perfect and they were going for between 800 and a thousand dollars a piece online I put them both up at $1,000 a piece because I'm always a haggler too and I'm willing to whatever. So I made a Facebook post about all the Dark Souls statues. Well, somebody who likes my page must also have liked the first four collectors group that I'm also a part of and they must have shared it there or something because all of a sudden, or shared it in some statue group because all of a sudden I started getting all these weird messages and comments from people that didn't like my page. And a lot of the comments were, it's so sad that you're ripping people off this bad with these prices and yada. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, and, but I couldn't say anything about it. All I could do was say, 
hey, you know, we looked up sold listings online. This is what they were selling for. And this is why we decided to sell at this price. I said, but everything's always open for negotiation if you want to make a fair offer. And so that's what I always kind of say, you know, I mean, I, I'm a person, you know, I don't know if they just thought it was some faceless store or some, maybe they thought because of the number of likes we have, which is almost 6,000 that we're like some mega corporation or something like, no, we're just, we're just a store. <laughs> I'm just a guy trying to live his dream at a store. And so, you know, they, but these comments kept coming in and one, I even got to the point where I said, Hey, I'm like, look, if you find me an eBay auction, that's really, really cheaper than what I've got on here. I will mark them down on the spot and I will thank you and appreciate you doing that for me. He sends me a picture back of like an eBay auction that was like, I think it was $750 and there was no box. The statue had like breaks in it and it was the most blurry picture I've ever seen. And I'm like, this, this is what you're dealing with. So I couldn't even, we weren't even in the same library, let alone in the same book on the same page. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so you know, I don't know. It just was, it was frustrating, but I couldn't lash out at them. You know, I, I had to be as professional as possible. And I think Apex Legends people probably could have done something similar, but you know, it, it, that's tough though too. That's really tough because sometimes people are just pissing on you all the time and you're like, you know, kind of had it with this. <laughs> like sometimes you just, you, sometimes you've had too much. All right, so next up on the podcast today, the next story we're talking about <clears throat> is a Missouri game store called Trade and Games, Trade-N-Games, has over $100,000 of rare games stolen. It what uh, in the article says it might be the first time in history that a game store was a subject of a large-scale heist. Trade and Games, located in Fenton, Missouri, and founded in 2002, was the unfortunate target of a robbery earlier today that would see an estimated $100,000 worth in video games stolen from the store. Ouch. That is unbelievable. That would be, uh, that would be crushing. Crushing to me to lose um, that amount of product. Quote, this is... Quote, this was a straight up heist in and out, stole my safe with over 150 of the most valuable games stated store owner Jason Brassard. That's all they took. If you've been to the store, seen my videos like the big unboxing of graded games, that's what was taken, plus many more. The unboxing videos refer to the store's YouTube channel, where Brassard is shown unboxing the collection of games, all officially graded for quality from WADA Games and certification to the public a few months ago. That was WADA, by the way. I was not the biggest fan. Not going to talk about it today, though. We're moving on. We're talking about this. This is not my story today. Almost all 150 games stolen were complete in box versions of some of the rarest games on the market, spanning eight different systems from the Atari 2600 to the Sega CD. Brassard posted a list of games found in the safe, with the biggest loss likely to be rare NES game stadium events, complete with both the cart and manual now stolen. Considered one of the rarest NES titles ever made due to an extremely limited print, uh, limited, limited print run, the last copy to come up for auction sold for 35000 in 2015. Other rare games included a complete copy of Little Samson, estimated to be worth over 4000 and Cheetah Men 2, which <laughs> has in the past sold anywhere between ten and $20,000. Um, the Little Samson worth over 4000 I that's a little high. It's closer to three, but anyway, we're not getting hung up with that. Some rare Nintendo test cartridges were also stolen from the safe, including an NES joystick test cart and an NES power pad test cart. Uh, those are really cool, by the way, if you've never seen those. Um, actually, this picture here, this is a this is a Super Nintendo test cart. And if you had a defective Super Nintendo, they'd send it in Nintendo. They'd pop these carts in to test various things uh, with the system. 
So um, I, I heard about this actually on Twitter. So uh, Kelsey Lewin, she is the uh, co-owner of Pink Gorilla. Um, you've seen her. She does her own videos, and she does a lot with Metal Jesus. Um, she basically started posting about it, bringing awareness to it, which was excellent. So, um, you know, she was great to do that. Um, and then I brought up, she had a few, a few lists of the games and there's a lot of like 2,600 games here, but I wanted to go over some of the NES ones. Cause those are the ones that most people like will, will remember and know to be rare, you know, a little more common stuff. So, um, these were all boxed complete bubble, bubble Two, bubble bath, babes, hot slots, peekaboo poker. Those are those, uh, the like nude games or whatever. And they've gone up a lot in value. Uh, secret scout, athletic world, Bandai, Cultron, Bible buffet, um, Bow Wow 2 is already on there. Bonk's Adventure, which was a WADA 9.4. Uh, Cheetahman 2, Chubby Cherub, Chiller, Color a Dinosaur, Contra Force, Donkey Kong Math, Flintstone Dinosaur, Little Samson, Monster in My Pocket, Panic Restaurant, Power Blade 2, Snow Brothers, Stadium Events, Cart and Manual, Turtles Tournament Fighters. Like, I mean, yeah, that's the that's the list, you know, like uh, the 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 Grails on the NES. Um, Super Nintendo boxed Captain Novlin with slip sleeve new Hagen. I'm pretty sure it's Hagane, um, but uh, whatever. Final Fight Guy in Noah's Ark, Three Ninjas, Killer Instinct, Wada 9.6, Genesis, Spider Man, Carnage, Wada 9.4, Doom, Tro- Doom Troopers 9.8, Sega CD, The Space Adventure, Snatcher, and KO Flying Squadron. Woof. I mean that that's 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 some monster stuff. And then the actual list he had um, some more here too. But like I said, a lot of it is the Atari stuff. But I mean, yeah, I mean that that's huge. So, um, where, where do we go from here? Okay. Um, well, first of all, this sucks really bad. So if you're in the St. Louis area or if you're in the in Missouri, keep an eye out. And they've said this in the other post, but I would agree with this. This is not something that will typically show up on Craigslist or on eBay. This is going to be somebody who goes to private forums, says they have this game. It'll, if the person's smart, which let's hope they're not. If they're smart, they will very slowly sell all this stuff very very slowly um anything that's water graded hopefully i mean well not hopefully i don't i'm not saying this like i want them to get away with it but if they're smart you know what i'm not even gonna say that forget what i was gonna say that i was gonna say what what they could do if they were smart i don't want to give many ideas not that they listen to this podcast but you know what i'm saying so um that really sucks and uh i do have a few questions um but this certainly isn't victim blaming because bad things can happen to people but any safe with that sort of stuff in it, you got to bolt it down, brother. You should bolt that right down to the concrete, bolt it right to the floor, um, bolt it to a metal filing cabinet that's full of stuff. I, you got to do something. Um, apparently, there was a security system that went off. Police responded within five minutes. It was already over. So in five minutes, they went in, stole the safe, and got out. Uh, apparently, no cameras, which, you know, I mean, my store has cameras. My store has a security system. My safe is secured, but like this was clearly somebody who knew that stuff was in there. And that's also really scary stuff too. When you think about the YouTube angle, right? Like he's just showing stuff off on YouTube. He's talking about it. Maybe somebody went in there. It's gotta be somebody with very intimate knowledge of how this place works. Um, and I'm certainly no detective, but I'm just saying if you're in and out in five minutes and you grab the safe, you know where it is, you know how to get it out and you get out of there before the police show up. And that's kind of impressive you know and so hopefully everything is recovered the store looks neat you know this is the only picture uh i have of it here um let's see is this their website this might be their website maybe there's more pictures here so 
you know, the website's a thing. Um, they do, looks like they sell a lot of stuff online. But, um, yeah, that really sucks. I, I, I have to say, like, that, that is really, really rough. Um, I, I, I would, I would really have a hard time. Like, I, I said that once or twice before, and people actually are kind of, like, scared a little bit when I say this, but I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest with you all. If, if my store, like, say somebody robbed my store and took everything, which isn't possible in the time limit, but say, say the store burned down or something, and I got the insurance check, that would be really hard to rebuild that and start over from scratch again. And I actually told somebody that one time, I was like, yeah, if that all happened, I probably wouldn't start over. And they'd look at me like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I probably wouldn't start over. And that sucks to say, but that's a huge hit. Now, obviously, there's still a thriving business here, still doing fine. But that's a big chunk of money to lose. You know, not that those were even necessarily going to be sold ever. They were probably going to go into private collection, but in case you ever wanted to sell them, and they sure, surely shouldn't have been stolen. Um, I was hoping this also had a little bit of pictures or something. Um, useful links. Uh, direction to the store. <laughs> Map quests. Well, anyway. The website could use a little bit of work, but I don't even have a website for selling games, so I'm not going to criticize. Um, so this will definitely have to be a place I check out sometime when I can, but yeah, it's really unfortunate. So again, if you're in this uh, Missouri area, keep an eye out. Um, this, this, this is tough. Um, it also feels like a very particular job. Like, you know, and this is something that's been coming up more and more. I've been hearing is that a lot of thefts are going towards um, high-end magic cards, high-end comic books. Video games now are going to have their time because that's just kind of what the natural order of things is, I suppose, is that as things become more popular and become more rare, they're going to be a target for any thief. And especially when before if they're ahead of the curve and they start stealing it before a lot of people do, it won't be as secure maybe as it needs to be. Um, I assume that the, that the store owner has insurance. I sure hope so. Um, but sometimes with a game store, it can be weird because you have like a generic, you know, theft insurance up to so much money. And I don't think mine even covers up to that amount. So if I were to lose all that in like one thing, that'd be, that'd be rough. That'd be kind of rough. Um, so anyway, uh, but if you've ever been here before, leave a note in the comments about it, if you like the store or not, or if, uh, and again, if you have any information, like contact them or contact, uh, contact the police, please. Um, it has been a while, but this is something that is most likely going to, uh, to take a long time to sell those specific pieces. This isn't somebody looking, well, you don't know that it could have been someone looking for a quick sale and they just dumped it off to somebody for 10 grand and then ran. But, um, there are also rewards. Mo game con is offering $2,500 reward for any information in regards to the heist. Uh, this is from a thousand dollar offering they put in along with other donations from local collectors. So the community kind of came together around it to offer, um, a reward as well. And that's, that's pretty cool. And it, it, this is the sort of stuff that it's, it's, you have to remember when we have all these awful stories about gaming that like there are times when as a community, we will come together, especially the retro community. While it is oftentimes very split and people in the video game, you know, fandom are often very angry and, and, um, divided. This is a, this is just kind of a great story of people coming together. And, and obviously it, the store must be run by a really great person or you, these people wouldn't come together typically for it, or you wouldn't think so. Um, so hopefully they they locate that. I really want to do a follow up to this someday soon and hopefully, uh, and hopefully he'll get all this stuff back. All right. So those are the two stories we're going to talk about on the podcast today. Um, so let's see next up. Then we have, 
All right, we have our... Time for the game of the week. Alright, so my game of the week. We're sticking on our theme of NES today. I'm talking one of my favorite NES games of all time. And I'm sure I've talked about it on the podcast before, but now I'm I'm more organized as I'm going through what games I want to pick as my game of the week. Maniac Mansion for the NES. Now, this is the first version of Maniac Mansion I played, but it was not the last. I played every version of this game I could. I freaking love this game. So, it is a point-and-click adventure game. So, if you don't know what that is, like you have a little mouse cursor, you click somewhere, your, your character moves there, you can interact with objects, you pick up objects, you use objects in other places. Um, similar to games like um, Escape from Monkey Island, Leader Suit Larry, stuff like that. Maniac Mansion, though, is about like a, a mad scientist who kidnaps your girlfriend and you pick three different characters, all with different skills, and you go through the game and you have to rescue your girlfriend. So you're going through this house and you're trying to eventually, you know, figure out how to get all the way through the game. And there's a whole bunch of great side mission stuff you don't have to do. There's multiple ways to beat the game. There's even ways to kill your characters. Um, in one of the earlier versions of the NES version, um, there was, uh, um, you could put a hamster in the microwave, not that I condone that sort of behavior, but, uh, it is something you could do and it is just super fun. I don't know what it was about this game, but it's killer music. It's got this kind of wacky art style to it. Um, wacky art style, wacky humor, wacky comedy. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. It just works. I don't know. And there was always something so like mystical about it to me. Like there was always another secret to find. And you can beat the whole game a couple different ways. And, and, like, you know, there's so many different ways to do things depending on the characters you take. Some, like, one character is handy with electronics so he can fix a radio. And then you can, like, radio the police, the space police to come take the meteor. Yes, it's wacky, as I was just saying. Um, or you can actually help the meteor get a record deal. And he leaves on his own. Um, and there's, like, I don't, it's so hard to describe why it's so cool. But it's so cool. <coughs> Excuse me. is just one of my all-time favorite games, Maniac Mansion. It's a slower game, but it's really, really fun. I, ha I own it on PC, and I have it on NES, which is really what I play it the most on. Maybe I'll play through this on stream for the charity thing this year. This would be this would be a blast to go through. Um, I love Misa Maniac Mansion. All right, so uh, we have no listener question this week, so then we're on to our very, very, very small... Game Pickups of the week so these are the games that old greggy has bought <laughs> or put in is about to put in his collection since the last podcast so if you've been listening for a while sometimes the pickup pile of the week is enormous last week i think it was 11 games if i remember right so roughly somewhere in there this week it's just two only two games going in the collection this week some stuff actually stayed at the store to sell for money um so up first for the PSP, Metal Slug Double X. So Metal Slug XX. Um, Two-player wireless co-op. Um, I want to say that this is um, like a director's cut of X. So this is technically Metal Gear or Metal Slug X, but it's like 
a director's cut version. Um, it's got the ultimate rank of Satan in combat school mode. Um, Two-player wireless co-op ad hoc. Um, but yeah, so I'm pretty sure... Because it says on the back, what beats X? A shockwave of XX. Um, but anyway, Metal Slug... If you've never played Metal Slug before, shame on you. But basically, it's a Contra-type game. You know, a side-scrolling shooter. It's an old arcade game. It's an old... Um, Neo Geo SNK uh, arcade game, and it plays a lot like Contra, but very beautiful sprites. Like it's the animations are all outstanding, um, and the the just a, just a great game uh, overall. So very good. Uh, and then the second game I picked up was R Types for the PlayStation One. So this is another uh, another shmup, side-scrolling shmup. Uh, there's a lot of R Type games out there. I don't love every R-type game. Some are not good, and some are weird. Like, some they try to do, like, and not, well, not all R-types, but some shmups, too. Like, they try to do, like, oh, we're on the PlayStation, so we got to make all 3D polygons and yada, yada. No. No, I refuse to believe that. You should still be able to make beautiful pixelated games no matter what the 3D technology you have is. With that said, this game has beautiful uh, pixel art, um, and it is uh, one, two players, analog, controller, compatible, memory card, one block. R-types... For the PS1, one of the essential shmups to have from the 32-bit era. All right, and that is it, everyone. Thank you so much for always for listening and watching. Obviously, if you're already listening to this, you know how to find me. But I just recently added the podcast to Spotify. So if you have a Spotify playlist, you'd rather use that app, you can now listen on Spotify, SoundCloud. You can catch the clips on YouTube or, of course, on iTunes. If you're on iTunes, search for Game Talk Radio. Uh, Spotify, search for Game Talk Radio. If you want to subscribe to us on YouTube, though, we would much appreciate that and much love that. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash drop rate. Um, drop rate, as you can see, well, if you're listening, you can't see my shirt. But uh, drop rate is a collaborative effort between myself, Jeremy, and Jordan. And the three of us make uh, gaming-related YouTube videos. We also stream live on Twitch every Monday night from 7 p.m. to about 9 p.m. We do the Dropcast which is a uh, our three-man gaming podcast. I call it Greggy After Dark because usually I've had a little bit of caffeine and get a little wild, and uh, I let loose. You know, this 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 podcast I keep pretty PG. Uh, that podcast I do not, <laughs> to say the very least. So thank you, as always, everybody, for listening and watching. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>